listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. We're excited to announce that we've got a new member of our village. Baby James Austin Ferris has joined us, and we're so excited for you, Lauren and James, and celebrating you while you're on maternity leave. This episode was pre-recorded in advance of the baby's birth. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. I'm not Jen. And we are your resident best friends, here to help you along your relationship journey, especially during all of this coronavirus pandemic mess and relationships being more important than ever before, or at least trying to even start a relationship, let's be honest. Let's be honest. And we are very happy to be your very own personal little fun fairies. We are going to help bring some joy to this process of dating and being in a pandemic and isolated. We're going to help sprinkle love dust all over the damn place because it takes a village and we are your community. You can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell a friend. Please share and spread the love and we will bring you more fabulous offers that you can then spread to your friends. I mean, what's better than getting a cute little package right now? Because that really does kind of light up my day. So share, show all your friends what you're listening to, and then give yourself something to talk about together. Um, It keeps the lights on in the village that we run for you guys, and we love when you contribute to the village. So make sure to tell a friend. We're still safe at home, trying to figure out ways to better ourselves and our relationships so that when we come out of this isolation, we're set up for success, which is why we're so excited to have coach and creator of Level Up, Thomas Edwards, in to discuss why dating is not broken despite pandemic, how you can level up and become a more dynamic dater, and why now is the time that we finally use technology for what it was intended for. I love that. And I just am so excited to hear his perspective on all this. So Thomas Edwards helps his clients live a life full of purpose, fun, passion, and achievement by showing them how to make life an actual game, combining personal development and game design. Formerly known as the founder of the professional wingman, which we interviewed Thomas years ago when he was the professional wingman. Um, It was a company that helped singles find love. He's the creator of the one up rule, which states live life like you have an extra one. Love that. For over a decade, Thomas has served as a coach, advisor, speaker, and trainer who works with high-performing professionals, athletes, leaders, and businesses. His experience, knowledge, and unique approach to personal transformation has been featured in nearly a thousand media outlets, including, you know, just the big ones like Men's Health, The Wall Street Journal, GQ, Entrepreneur, The New York Times, on, on MTV, ABC, and The Steve Harvey Show, among others. Just a few little tiny outlets that you may or may not have heard of. Um, He is, Thomas is a proud hashtag girl dad. He lives in Santa Monica with his wife of nearly six years, Star, and his gorgeous three-year-old daughter, Ellie. He is going to teach us how to level up our dating game. Welcome to the show again, Thomas. So glad to have you here. Thanks for coming back. This is actually round two for you. We interviewed you like three years ago, and now we we're have you coming back for your second date. I'm super excited. I'm glad I made the cut to be seen again. Of course. Well, you also <laughs> help people lock in date number two with your specific like instructions and tips and tricks. So we'll get to that soon. But first and foremost, how are you doing? You know, given the circumstances that we're in today, I'm doing relatively well. You know, my family's safe. We have shelter. We have resources. We have money. We have air. Um, Honestly, there's not much to complain about. I mean, I guess you could. I mean, we still live in a two-bedroom apartment and our daughter is turning three, which means she's turning 13. (laughs) And so there's a lot to deal with with that. But I mean, that's a part of life. So honestly, I'm in a great place right now. How are you guys? Well, doing okay, at least, uh, or trying to do okay. I am trying to date amidst all of this madness. And I think I change my methods and my strategy at least three times a day. I'm like, no, (laughs) 
change my parameters on my dating apps. And now I'm going to do this kind of FaceTime date, or I'm going to limit it to phone call dates because I don't feel like putting on any makeup at all. Or I'm going to, I don't even know. Every day it's something new. I sound schizophrenic, but I feel like talking to you today might offer us some support in this area. Absolutely. I mean, the beauty about this is the possibilities are endless because they were imposed upon us, you know? And so it it gives a good light. It sheds a good light into what the future of of dating can look like for any of us, if we choose to. Okay. So specifically then the quarantine you think is affecting people's view of dating and their dating habits, like in what way? I mean, you think that it's a positive thing? How so? So I actually talked about this back in 2008, 2009, when the rise in uh, online dating and the different ways people can meet online was starting to surge. I said, listen, like, we're going to eventually, as a society, get back to what I call the analog age, which is when we stopped using technology as a way to replace connection, and we actually use it to create connection. Now we live in a place where, like, we can't go out and actually touch people, right? And, like, human connection was once the last item on our priority list. Well, now it's the priority. And so we are going to start using technology as a means to really recreate that. And human connection is going to be the number one priority moving forward, which of course is going to impact dating. We're now just having a great, a simple conversation with someone is more meaningful than trying to figure out this person's a lifer or like my next one, you know? And so we're going to see people open to different experiences of creating that connection and where that connection is going to come from. I actually have been seeing people put more effort into the conversation than they have in the past. Like one of the struggles I've had with, let's just even say dating apps and start there is that people don't have an attention span. So they're not coming up with good questions. And if I answer in the way that I normally would, let's just say that I have answered in the past with like a paragraph or something um, to try and be interesting and like really like, you know, have a conversation. I think that that might've been off putting at that point or boring to somebody or feel like a job because there's another person now that they have to communicate with. But now I feel like people are actually putting in the effort and writing thoughtful questions, answering thoughtfully and, and providing more details than they have in the past. It's not so much like the, Hey, how's your weekend? what are you up to boring and things that people were talking about in the past. And this has actually provided more to talk about because a lot of the questions being asked are like, how are you surviving this? How do you spend your time? Um, what do you want to do after this? And yeah. becoming a little bit deeper, I think. Yeah. Well, it's because what we're not realizing is that we're now more present, right? Like online dating and just using apps has kind of been this like secondhand thing that we would do in addition to working or watching TV or eating or using the bathroom. (laughs) And now it's like a firsthand method where now you actually are present. I mean, let's face it, like we are more present at home to things that like we weren't even aware of now (laughs) than ever before. And so when we start doing things that especially involve us reaching out and connecting to people, we're subconsciously more present. And so by default, we're more invested. And so we're willing to say a little bit more, we're willing to be more vulnerable. And honestly, we all feel the sense of relatability because of what we're going through during this time. Yeah, it's actually connecting us in a way, even though it feels like we're not able to connect. So in I guess you would start thinking or worrying potentially if you're single or or even if you're just like trying to start relationships or maybe you just started a relationship and you're in the developmental processes, I think people might be a little worried, like dating is broken, like this <laughs> is end now, or I'm never going to meet somebody now. But like, you think that's wrong. Like you think that there's like more opportunities ever than now, right? Yeah. I mean, just because you can't go on like a quote unquote physical date where you're sitting next to each other at a bar doesn't mean that the entire process of dating is broken. <laughs> this is something that I hear a lot from my from my clients. They'll say, well, I'm just going to wait until this is over before I start dating again. And I'm like, well, first of all, you don't know when this is actually going to be over. There's no like specific time that says like, okay, guys, like time to start dating again. And so <laughs> you can't really do that. And then you're also just basically saying like you're not going to connect with anyone. That fundamentally doesn't make sense. And so 
here is where you get to open up opportunities to how you want to connect with people, whether it's over text or over voice. You can have FaceTime dates. You can have Zoom. You can meet people at virtual cocktail hours and happy hours. People are doing trivia nights, and so you can meet people there. So you're now just allowing yourself to try to – now. This, in other words, now there's no excuse for you not to try to build a relationship online because it'll eventually get offline, but you don't have to feel that sense of urgency or necessity to get it offline right now. Oh, that's actually a great way to think about it. It's not, there's no, it takes the pressure off. Like yeah. this is the only way we can talk. So let's just go with it. And when, and when this outside universal thing decides it's okay for us to like meet in person, then we'll do it then because then we can say, Hey, let's go now that this, you know, we don't have to be safer at home anymore. Let's go have a drink. Like it gives you kind of an excuse to like take the next step sort of if, if, that's something that makes you nervous. Cause I know it does for some people. Totally. And like, you're going to have the nerves regardless, but at least have the nerves with, with a lot more like knowing of who this person is by like communicating and having these shared experiences with them. Even if it is virtual, it still counts, but eventually the idea is to get offline. And so when that restriction is lifted, you'll be able to have access to it, but without the urgency, there's no reason why you can't reach out and at least create some pseudo relationships or pseudo connections this way in the meantime. Right. Well, so I have a question for you though, because you deal a lot with men and helping them as it relates to dating and relationships. Do you think that men are, I guess, maybe turned off by dating right now because there is no sense of urgency to meet in person and potentially even have like a physical relationship with a female if that's what they're into? So there's two sides of this. Um, I have clients who are tr- are saying they don't want to date because they desire because their priority has always been like the physical connection and so that desire has blinded them from the ability to actually create a deeper connection um and so I, I coach them through that and then there's the other side who are like this is really exciting i don't have the pressure of having to ask a woman out in like the first three messages i can actually carry on a decent conversation and then when it comes up where the time is where we can see each other again I will have more certainty of, yes, like I totally want to see this person. And I'll also get some certainty from her based on the fact that we're still talking and connecting and having these shared experiences that the chances of me getting a no from her at this point is virtually none. So there's just two different perspectives that people, uh, you know, these guys are, are seeing. Um, and I'm sure there's definitely some in between, but those are the main ones that I've noticed. Well, that is interesting. I'll tell you my perspective. I don't ever want to have to quarantine alone again and also maybe not in my apartment. So I'm trying to find myself a great guy so that should this come back around, we quarantine in hopefully a larger space together. But also, Jen, that is very true for you. But you also, this is something that you were interested in finding anyway. So it's not like you're just scrambling like for something you know, out of the thin air, like, okay, I don't want to quarantine. Like, basically what I'm saying is you're not doing this out of fear. Like you do want to find a partner and you have specific things that you're looking for and specific intentions. And this has just obviously solidified that like, okay, I actually do want a partner. And also if this ever happens again, it would be nice. Like you're authentically like wanting to be in a relationship with somebody. Yeah. And I also at one point put in my dating profile during this process and me going back and forth three times a day that I wanted somebody who was like going to protect me from harm, who could start a fire. Like, I didn't know what this was all going to look like a couple of weeks ago. So I was like, is this really the apocalypse? Like, I need somebody who's got like a pocket knife. I don't know. Who do I need right now? Yeah. And and I, I think it's totally okay to want that. I mean, what what we're going through right now is really just going to highlight what we truly desire. And so, of course, you're not going to want to be alone during this process. But here's a different perspective. Like, I have clients who just got into committed relationships and, and are choosing to quarantine together with their new boo. And so now, like, everything is being accelerated in terms of their relationship. And so a lot of different emotions and a lot of different things that used to have time and grace, they don't, that doesn't exist anymore. And so they have to overcome a lot of those things together. So it's creating this unprecedented time where relationships, both new and long-term relationships are being challenged in very, very unique ways. 
Yeah, that is an interesting thing to point out because Jen and, I, Jen and I have mentioned that before. Like, do you think this is a good time to like start a relationship with someone? And and if so, and we both do think that like there's never a better time to start if that's what you want. So it shouldn't really matter. But if you do, like, do you quarantine with that person? Because like, could that be dangerous? Could it show you the true light right away? Like, do you, I mean, I'm sure you do. You have your, your program dynamic dating and like you help people get into relationships. So I'm sure you're like, yeah, do it if it makes sense. But like, do you think, would you do it? Like if you had just met somebody and you were like kind of into them, would you, would you be like, yeah, let's quarantine together. I mean, I don't know. Me, me today, no. <laughs> me ten years ago, sure, why not? Right? It's 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 just my, it's where I'm at today. But I but I will say this: the person that you're seeing right now is very much so authentically that person, and it's also crisis mode <laughs> that person, right? So you have to consider the fact that like this person is is behaving under very very special conditions that like you have to see like well would these would some of these things be present if we weren't in a crisis? Which I love because yeah. again, go just using my own personal experience, but um, some of the things that we've talked about, like on these apps are like how you're spending your time. And I am so turned off by guys who are sort of negative about the whole thing and like a bit down or saying like that they don't have anything to do or they're not working or I don't know, like just any of the things that just what really turned me off outside of a pandemic, it's highlighting the fact now that they don't really have a whole lot going on and their perspective on their own life and what's going on in the world is like kind of ugly. So it's very quickly weeding people out. Absolutely. And this is where, you know, I step in a lot more, especially with, with the way I coach my clients today, you know, like what you do is just what you do. It's not who you are. So when that gets taken, when what you do gets taken away, who are you? And a lot of people, I would say the majority of people who focus so much on achievement based on what they do are really going or trying or either either going in or they're staying away from answering that question of who they really are. And when you experience crisis like this, and this is big, I mean, this is, this is definitely a global type crisis, but like even the smallest of crises, like you still have to answer that question. And those who are not essay answering that question are responding the way where they're giving sharing negativity, they're bored, they don't know what to do, they're um or they're trying to bring down the mood of other people. Like those are people who are in conflict and are unsure of who they are. And then you have other people who are pretty certain who they are. And you may not be hearing about them right now, but you certainly will a year from now or two years from now, when they're doing things that are creating tremendous impact in their community and, and, and perhaps the world. But this is just all a matter of like what your perspective is. And, and one thing I've learned, and this is what I tell my clients all the time, what, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So this crisis is a great opportunity to take a look at how you're responding to this and how this is showing up in other parts of your life. Because if you're not seeing it, you better believe that other people are seeing it for you. Right. And that is so true. Like you are who you are and that's the root of you. So it's going to manifest itself in almost everything that you do. And if you don't see that, like you need to take this time in isolation to self-reflect a little, because like you said, everyone else is seeing it and, you know, not being able to like reflect on yourself and, and see some things like that is a little bit of a dangerous quality, but like, you're so right doing, you are always you and it's, it's just, and that's great. Like you want to be who you are. Like mm -hmm. you want to be confident in that and, and, and know how to, you know, you're going to react or what you like or what you expect. Um, I think that's really important. And the starting within you is like, especially when dating, that's like where you want to be. You don't want to like be doing something for a reaction, right? Like you want to yeah. be like, I'm in this for me. This is what I want. But how do you though, because there is kind of a secret to like, drawing the person in. Now I'm not saying that we want to like go start like doing things that are inauthentic to us so that someone pays attention to you, but there is sort of, there is sort of a game when it comes to that, if you will, or like a tactic, like the making someone want you more type of a thing. And I know yeah. you teach that to men 
to attract women. And, mm-hmm. and there are some gender roles here that I think we could talk about, but like, is that yeah. different when it comes for like the other way around? Like if you're a woman and you're trying to attract a man, a man, or is it all kind of just the same thing? Well, in terms of like the communication dynamic, I do still believe that like gender does have like specific roles inside of that. But let's put that aside for now and just talk about like humans, right? Uh, if you're trying to attract your equal, then show up as the equal. It, it, it seems simple, yet we make it so complicated. Like be the person who you're trying to attract because we all, everyone in our lives represents some form of a mirror of ourselves. That's why they're in our lives, right? So if you want the ultimate mirror, <laughs> then you need to show up as that person. So whatever that is, whatever qualities you're looking for in that person, you better believe that you gotta, you gotta show up either em- embodying those qualities. So if you want someone who's in shape, drop your clothes and take a look at yourself. Like, are you someone that like that person is going to want to date? If you're someone who loves to, you know, do other activities, like, or you're looking for someone who's into certain activities, like, are those activities that you you enjoy? If you want someone who's independent, like, are you someone who is independent or are you codependent, right? Like, these, these are real questions you need to ask yourself, because if you're not showing up as that person, then chances are the people who are coming into your life don't represent that, which has been which then will cause a lot of conflict as to why you're not meeting quote unquote your one. So, um, or many. And so it's, it's really the equal part that is so important to show up as. So is this some of the stuff you cover in your program, the dynamics of dating, because it does sound like there's so many things involved that you help your clients with. Um, What are some of the other dynamics of dating? Yeah. So I've been, with, with the professional wingman, my first coaching business, yeah, I've been helping people for over 10 years. And so when I was going out and actually watching people interact and coaching them in real time, there were major milestones throughout the process that would get people from starting from scratch all the way into a long-term committed relationship. And dynamic dating is sets up each milestone along the way for both online and offline activity. So everything from setting up your online profile to setting up your lifestyle to be more conducive to meeting matches in person to how do you initiate conversations and approach people in non-creepy ways, <laughs> how to convey interest and how do you flirt and show your interest to people? How do you go deep in conversation? How do you get the dates? What happens on the first, second, third date? How are you communicating in between the dates and how are you leveraging technology to create more opportunities for yourself? So it really goes through the gamut. And then eventually, like once you're at a point where you are, um, you find someone that you want to commit to, how do you transition to exclusivity, right? These are all key points that people are looking to get towards. And so the whole program guides them step-by-step through that process. The transition part is like what I think scares people sometimes. And Jen and I have talked about with this whole pandemic, self-isolation, safer at home thing. Like the next logical step is for dating. We think like, all right, you're texting, whether that's just on the phone or via an app or whatever. I mean, the next transition that seems organic is like a phone call or FaceTime potentially. So we think this could be like the new thing that everyone does anyway, because it does seem kind of like skipping a step to go from like potentially just talking to somebody like via text to then going out to meeting them in person. I mean, for me, it didn't feel odd and for maybe more outgoing people, but like, if you want to ease into it a little more, it could be an awesome little like segue into the natural organic process of like these transitions that you're talking about, because I think it just sort of feels like a baby step. And I think people get nervous about going from like one thing to the other, and then what's going to happen next. And obviously Mm -hmm. your advice is very helpful to those people who are having anxiety about it. But you mentioned like non-cheesy pickup lines and things like that. (laughs) That is like our favorite. I mean, everyone kind of wants to meet in person. I think it's sort of like, you know, people love the idea of that, but like, how do you suggest like when you're coaching your dudes and like, we're girls here, Jen and I, so we're like on the receiving end, like, how do you coach someone to like go up to somebody and be like, Hey girl, like without it feeling like a pickup line, like how do you do that? Without it being, Hey girl. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the, the easiest way to, to say it is that Whenever you're meeting someone that you don't know, 
there has to be some level of curiosity and interest there, right? That, that, that like from both, from both ends, meaning like if I'm a guy approaching a woman, like there's obviously some interest, implied interest that's here. That's like, like leading me to come up and, t- and talk to her. I have to be okay with the fact that she might be thinking that. And she, and, and she probably is like, if she's an attractive woman, chances are there are other guys before me who have, who have done this. So I have to be okay with that. That feeling has to come with repetition. Like you just become more comfortable with the fact that like your body's freaking out biologically because you find someone physically attractive and appealing. But after that, you don't need to say anything in particular that's going to grab her attention other than saying hi, who you are, and potentially like, now depending, then there's a lot of context that's involved here. So for example, like if you're at a bar, there's a lot more context you can you can use, such as like, oh, what are you drinking? What are you here for? Or if it's during the day and there's not much context, you can just say, hey, I just want to come over and introduce myself. I thought you looked really interesting, and I'd beat myself up if I didn't say hi. Oh, I love that. That's oh, so. I love that too. That is just so like, hi, like normal. And you feel special. <laughs> you feel special on the receiving end of that. Now, what about though, like if you're doing this on the apps and everyone puts so much pressure on the first thing you say to somebody. So what would a good line be? Like, is it playing into their profile, like commenting on the other person's profile? Because somebody wrote me the other day, hey, and a smiley. And I kind of wanted to tell them to go fuck off. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's people have been playing the gamut, right? It's like, they'll send an emoji. Right. And hopefully like that will cause something or they'll send something very long winded and that might be too much. But honestly, like there's just important things you got to do. You got to prove that like you read their profile. You didn't look at the, just the pictures. So like you comment on something about your profile, you share something about yourself that's related to what you just commented on. And then you ask a question. It's like a very simple format that you just follow. And oh the reason why it's, for, it's, it's formatted in that order is because you want the last question. You want the last piece to be a question. So it prompts a response. Like if you put a question at the beginning and then you write all these other statements, the question gets lost. And then the last thing that she or he or she may read is a statement, which statements don't require a response, right? And so it's really just keeping it very simple in that way. Love a good formula. Now I have a quick question for you though, going back to your program and that you're geared towards men because we often talk on this show about the female perspective, obviously, but we say- a lot of the things that we wish men would do. And we're like, damn, we wish we had more men listening to this podcast and sharing (laughs) friends because they're the ones who really need the help. No offense, men, but obviously you gear toward them because they do need the help. What kinds of guys come to you for help? Because don't some just think they know everything or like maybe they're just also not self-aware or think that there's a stigma about asking for help? Well, the stigma is, is, is getting lifted over time you know people are now realizing that investing in themselves is like the best investment they can make um and dating itself is something that like people are definitely more inclined to do because dating is so like so vast right and it's so big and so open and it has a very like high like quote for for an individual's sake a very high risk experience in the sense that like i could find my love but i also could not and, and, the, and the, the, the contrasting feelings there make it one of those things that's worth investing in. But the, in terms of the kind of guys that reach out to me, they do run the gamut. I mean, a lot of them are relatively successful. And going back to the, 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 the talk about achievement and what they do, they spend a lot of time creating the foundation of who they are based on what they do. And they thought, because this is what we were taught, as, even as people, as like kids, that after we established who we are based on what we do, then that'll allow us to find the love that we need. And that just hasn't been the case, whether it's incompatibility issues, lack of social experience, lack of social decorum, etiquette, lack of time, you name it. Like it can go on and on and on. But what I ultimately find out is a lot of these guys are looking to kind of, they, they're seeing the relationship as like the final piece of a puzzle that they hope that once they find that person, their lives will be complete. And I say, and I say this because most guys that I work with fit this bill. And I, and the reason why I share it this way is because what they soon find out, especially after they, you know, when they work with me is that finding that person is not going to complete them. In fact, (laughs) if they don't show up complete already, 
it's very likely that the relationship they do find and they put so much um, energy into making that complete will actually not work out. And so I spent a lot of my time putting them in preparation in the sense of making them complete as individuals before they actually end up meeting their person. And it's not only, it's, it's only then when they do become complete, do they find a person? And that has allowed me to have um, a very great track record with like over 300 marriages and engagements with zero divorces, that at least none that I know of right now, because that has been the process that has worked most effectively. Whoa, that is some serious good statistics for you. Yeah, we'll see what happens after the quarantine. honestly complicate things for lack of a better term but I think like you know that that foundation is important and it shouldn't be rocked by something like this I mean you know starting with you is just makes sense in so many different ways and like then that just leads to having this level of you know, confidence that's not like conceited or anything, but it's something that makes you feel good. It's something that attracts people to you. So it works twofold. It's like start with you and then becomes, it sort of permeates into everybody else. I mean, we all know we've seen a guy before. We're like something about that guy we really like. We don't really know what it is, but it's probably like a level of confidence or something in that nature. And then you know, you want to like, you're engaged, you want to go and and talk to somebody and, and find out more about them and share stuff about yourself. And the engaging conversation is so, so sexy, too, I think, like, Mm -hmm. that's when like, when you get to that point, that's like, when you start to say, Oh, okay, like, what could happen next, you start thinking about things. But Jen, and I feel like this is the part where men, I mean, because we're women, where men fail and maybe it's LA or I don't know, but it's whether it's online or in person, it seems like guys drag their feet in this area of like engaging conversation that then leads to a date. Like Mm -hmm. it just, it can be engaging and great, but then it like just never, it's like they never ask you out or it never ends up going down that road. Like what is the deal with that? Why do you think that happens? Before I answer that, I want to. There was something on my mind that I wanted to going back to the last thing you said. I wanted to really simplify it by saying this one thing. You know, if, you're, if for guys like, if you really want to understand what's going to allow you to not only meet the woman of your dreams but also keep her, is how you live your life will attract her, but who you are will keep her. Mm. And I always find that working on who you are first guarantees you a higher level of success (laughs) than working on how you live your life. How you live your life, you can piece together whenever you want. And and actually, it's really easy. But who you are, not so easy, but that's going to be the key to keeping her. So I just wanted to make sure I said that. I love Um, that. That's so great. Yeah. So going back to your question, like what was, what's, what's causing guys to like mess, like kind of flub around the conversation leading into potentially a date like pull the trigger already what are are you waiting for so i've been coaching for over 11 years at this point and and i've seen it that it typically comes down to two reasons one they're lazy or two they're scared it's it it it, it shades or is strongly one or the other well why are they on an app then or why are they talking to you at all sorry i don't i don't mean to be mad at you because of them but i'm yeah because of them no of course i mean and you have every reason to be mad the truth the truth is like there's a lot of guys who just assume that having a relationship is kind of a part of the 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 road to happiness in their lives so there's this there's this seemingly um let me let me word this in a way that's more academic okay studies have shown that people think happiness equals money status a relationship power like things, right? Awesome stuff in their lives. And, and, and actually statistics and studies have shown that while you, the achievement creates like a momentary like bump in happiness, your mind doesn't know that it's become that like the difference. And so once you have that achievement, that becomes a new normal and your happiness balances out. So the effort and the pursuit that leads to that achievement actually makes you unhappy. <laughs> as it does and so so instead of thinking that like your happiness is going up as you're going towards achievement it actually is going down and so when you meet when you get to that achievement 
you get you feel that bump but then it goes back to like your normal state of happiness because your mind doesn't know the difference between a new normal and an old normal the reason why i share this is because we've been told that having a relationship leads to higher levels of happiness so we have this in our in our bodies since we were kids that we have to be in a relationship not even realizing that we we don't know why specifically and we learn this process actually in relationships but the reality is like we want we want a relationship we want to be in a relationship because we want connection and we want to expand that connection right and this is from a very base level so a lot of guys don't actually know fundamentally why they're doing it so they don't actually know how they're supposed to go through the process that's meaningful for them outside of the fact that like i just i feel like i just need to be with someone now this might like seem really like May not, it may not even make sense to hear this, <laughs> but this is actually what studies are starting to show in, in terms of measuring happiness and what people's pursuit of happiness actually looks like. And so going back to now to your question, laziness versus being scared, laziness is a matter of like not really putting in effort to understand how this all works and what they can do to contribute to better circumstances, such as listening. Right, listening in conversation, listening to what you're saying, and finding points of conversation that they can pull from, which are called hook points, to pull them and then and then share something about myself as a guy that's relatable, that can create a deeper connection. Right, that's just one example of like active listening and being able to get the conversation and go on a deeper level. Scared is about being vulnerable, right? Being willing to take risks, being willing to share that I like you, being willing to share something personal that might be judged in a negative or positive way. But the one that you're pointing to most likely is is, um, more prominently is like asking for that date, right? There's that scared because they're scared of being rejected. And here's the thing about guys, right? Like we as men, like we don't want to die, right? Like we we physically don't want to die. Like our egos are all wrapped around the fight or flight response because going back to the beginning of time, like that would lead to us dying if we didn't do something. Our minds don't know the difference between dying and failure of like of, of an experience of you saying no, I don't want to go on a date with you. Oh my goodness, so, that's no black or white. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how I mean. That's I mean, our our brains are like super old, right? Like we we our, our mind doesn't know the difference. We can't in the in the in the moment, right? You got to think about it. Like logically, we can yeah. sit here and have a conversation and know the difference logically, but in the moment when our adrenaline is running and our um our brains are, are running and, and, and kind of connecting the dots and realizing, oh my God, like I'm going through this like crazy moment. I need to fight or flight or like flee. It goes back to yeah. what we've known as our first experience as humans, which is I could die. It's <laughs> Well, it's creating the same like physiological response. So your body mm-hmm. is confused. You're a, a lot of, um, you know, therapists and psychiatrists say that anxiety and excitement create the same physiological experience. It raises your heart rate. It raises your body temperature. So a lot of times people have a hard time you know, deciphering between excitement and anxiety. And I know that sounds like opposite things, but it's, it's true. The physiological response is so archaic. It's just in there. And that makes sense, but that's how you as a man would react. Yeah. Like the same, the same, um, physiological experience you would have walking up as a man walking up to an attractive woman is the same physiological experience you would have walking away having like gotten a date it's just our it's just our brain evaluating it differently right which shows that like our attitude and our effort is what are the key components of making all of this work out for us or against us so if our attitude is like she's gonna reject me i don't know if i'm good enough for her then as we walk up and we feel these things in our bodies, our attitude is going to say, I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm nervous. Like, this is not going to work. Or you could say, oh, she's really interesting. I wonder, she seems really interesting. I'm curious. I want to know, like, if there's anything more than just, like, her being really attractive. And you go in there in that way and you come very fresh. How you react to that is like, oh, my body's just responding to her because I find her physically attractive, which is... Not a biological, not a physiological response you would have with every woman, <laughs> right? It's yeah. and so it's it's so it's just understanding how your body's functioning. Like even right now, like as I'm having this conversation, my body is reacting. Like it's sweating a little bit, it's running a little hotter, 
And it's not because I'm nervous. I'm actually really excited and, and like having fun in this conversation. But it, it reacts the same way if I was going to walk up to my wife and have like a serious conversation that I was afraid of. Or if I was like going to publicly speak in front of an audience of a thousand people. Like, because I know that's what my body does. Yeah. I evaluate it very differently. And I never think of it as nerves. Is more just my body saying, hey, I'm getting ready to do this. So you can go ahead and perform or do whatever you need to do. Help us help them because we know that they're going through all of these, like, I don't know, bodily functions and things. Like, what can we do to flirt with them to give them some sort of confidence? Like, we know you have a flirting formula for men, but like, how do you speak men? So help us speak men. It actually is a universal. So it works for both men and women. Um, and, And the formula is pretty simple. It's in parentheses, complimenting plus teasing. And then that is to the power of touching um, plus proximity. Oh my God. I love that you made that a freaking math problem. Um, (laughs) I I live for that. The one math problem that's ever made sense to me in my whole damn life. Okay. That's great. I love that. Okay. (laughs) So it's really important. The the touching and proximity is actually more important than the complimenting and the teasing. And I'll explain each component as we go along. So the complimenting and teasing, they're just there because it creates dynamic, it creates a push-pull dynamic in the conversation. I think it's important to not take yourself seriously, but also to not take the other person as seriously too and, and create a, an environment where you two can figuratively put your hair down and like have some fun. So it's okay to like bust someone's balls if you need to, but it's also important to acknowledge someone's beauty, whether it's in their intelligence and in how they look or how they express themselves, their grace, etc. But it's also important to know that like, you should keep those things balanced because if you're teasing too much, you might come off like a dick. But if you're complimenting too much, you might come off too much as like a nice guy. And we all heard like the stereotypes that come with both of those personas. So I just wanted to make sure I acknowledge that. But the touching and the proximity is really key because if you're, if the touching and the proximity is a zero, then it doesn't matter how much complimenting and teasing you're doing. Anything to the power of zero is one. (laughs) And one's a very lonely number, right? And so it's very important that you use touching and even in today's world, like touching and proximity may not necessarily work right now, but you can use prox- proximity in different ways. So, so for example, like going from uh, text messaging to FaceTime, that is actually a way of, of creating closer proximity because now I'm able to see your face and be in real time having those connections. Right. But eventually when these restrictions are lifted and you're able to, to connect with person, even if you don't feel comfortable touching someone or you're not sure if they're going to be feeling comfortable touching, being touched, whether it's like an arm around the shoulder, holding hands, a playful push or a poke or an elbow nudge, like any of those things, just being physically closer will make a huge difference because then you can visually and your, bo- your bodies can actually experience the gravitational pull of a connection being, being in the works as the dynamic of conversation is happening in the background. So the touching and proximity is really, really important. And, and this is where a lot of guys tend to get really scared. Um, and I, so, I, so I always say, like, if you're worried about touching, just get closer. <laughs> That's all you got to do. That would create the same feeling. Like as a someone on the receiving end of that, I could I would say, yes, that would make me feel the same physiological reaction if you will like excitement or or the reverse like if you're not into the person like oh no 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 don't do that but either way you're getting an answer and and I think it does create that same feeling without actually touching if that's not the next step that you want to transition into yeah like a great example is let's say we're at a you know a bar or a restaurant think about the experience I'm sure both of you have been on these types of dates right like imagine what the experience was sitting across from someone at a table as opposed to sitting next to someone at a bar during a date, right? Yeah. It, creates a, it creates a very different experience when, when, the, when physical positioning is, is different and you're closer to someone. Even if you're at a sweetheart table, very different experience because you're still sitting kind of next to each other as opposed to sitting across each other and having this barrier of a table and candles and condiments and potentially appetizers in front of you. <laughs> it also feels more like a business meeting when you're like, kind of face to face it feels like mm-hmm. it could just be like a meeting of sorts versus an actual romantic encounter well it's very confrontational in that way and this is which is really interesting because that's how women normally talk like when you think about like how women talk in groups they never fan out they're always talking into the group 
<laughs> yeah. So you know what I mean? Because women want to make sure that like they're being like paid attention to physically. Like I could listen to my wife, but my wife will always say, "Are you?" My wife always asks me if, if I'm listening to her, and of course I am. But I don't look it, and so that's for so for by her definition, that's not me listening to her. I have to listen to her by like looking at her. Guys, they always fan out because we don't need to look at each other to know that we're listening, and so it creates a much more comfortable environment. That it's but, all like it's all part not part of a game but like it does feel kind of like things that you do need to know because communication is really key and men and women are sort of different species if you will so it's sort of like knowing these things helps because then you don't take things personally or you can sort of like get more connected with the person by paying attention to the fact that okay maybe if I do this thing I'll get a better reaction or I'll be understood more or whatever it is but speaking of games like you do have this gamified thing to some of your coaching and some of your advice and like all of this comes into play of course all the advice you've given so far but yeah. we all feel like we could definitely level up a little bit right now we have all this time at home and like we need to just step the game up a little. So how do you, you know, give people advice to like achieve success and have more fun by making your life a game and, and without making it sound like, you know, we were turning dating and relationships into a game because clearly you're, you're trying to teach people to be authentic and not play. Yeah. Well, the idea of a game is, is pretty simple. Like no one goes, no one plays a game with the idea that they're not going to have fun. Right, like no matter what game you're playing, whether it's a video game, crossword puzzle, Sudoku, solitaire, or even like a fun little game that you make while you're cleaning up and playing music in your house, right? Like, like games are everywhere, and we always incorporate it when we want to have more fun. And so, why isolate it only in games? Why can't we bring that dynamic into the rest of our lives, including dating? Like, I was just talking to a couple of clients who, you know, they they wanted ideas of of how to make going online and dating and interacting with people not feel like a, a chore or feel like it's miserable. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, there's a lot of people who have that mentality. And so the idea is, well, what can you do to make it fun? What can you do to make it a game? You know, what's going to encourage you to participate in this game with the idea that you can have fun? And so I, the reason why this, this showed up, because in my life, even at the height of the success of my first coaching practice, the professional wingman, I lost, I lost, I stopped having fun. I lost a sense of purpose. I saw lost a sense of direction. And I slowly saw so many parts of my life start to deteriorate, whether it was my body because I was drinking so much and like trying to self-medicate because of all the emotions I was taking on and couldn't handle, whether it was my relationship with my wife, whether it was relationship with my friends, my colleagues, like there's so many things in my life spiritually, right? Not feeling connected, mentally going crazy because I didn't know what to do with all these emotions and I didn't know how to process them. I didn't have any tools. And so when I finally decided to like play the game, I, like, it was my idea of asking for help. And I got so much help and support, whether it's through therapists and fellowship programs and hiring coaches. So those things really worked for me because they gave me things to do in order to better my life. But I was doing those things out of obligation. I still wasn't having fun. And it wasn't until I decided to pick up my first passion, which was video games, did things just open up for me. And when I finally allowed myself to just immerse and have fun in, in, in video games, I was like, well, why can't I do this in the rest of my life? And so I created this idea called this rule called the one-up rule, which is when you think about when you play video games, when you get a one-up, that's an extra life. And the idea is live life like you have an extra one. Because when you play video games with an extra life, you play a lot differently than if you're on your last life. And I want to teach people in all parts of their lives, whether it's in their purpose, in their physical, mental, spiritual wellness, whether it's uh, in their passion, love for themselves, love for their partner or in the, or the, or the pursuit of one, and love for the world, whether it's in their performance and their ability to increase their value professionally, sharing that value and asking for that value in return, or if it's in having fun with the people, the places, and the things they do that bring them joy, we all have an opportunity to live life at a much higher level if we let ourselves, and we can do it in a way that's fun. So I created that rule, and, and I have an entirely you know, separate coaching practice that's based on 
really leveling up the lives of so many people, men, women, businesses, uh, etc. So anyone who's looking to just feel like life is can be more fun, especially now during this time where it's so easy to just look at Facebook or look at the news and just be subjected to like fear and sadness. You have an opportunity here to create a lot more fun in your life filled with purpose and passion and joy and and fun and even achievement. You know, you can win the game and have fun. Winning is not just based on success. I've always found out that if you're successful and you're not having fun, that means you're playing someone else's game. <laughs> you're, you're fulfilling someone else's purpose. You get to have fun. You get to be successful and have fun. And that's the game that I like to play. And that's the game I always invite others to play. Could not have said it better, Thomas. Right now, there's never better. I mean, this is always a good idea, but right now is the best time to be doing this. So if everyone wants to take it to the next step, where remind everyone where they can find you so they can level up, they can, you know, get some tips and tricks and dating and relationships, ask the right questions, all of the above. Where can they find you on any websites or social media? Yeah. So if you are looking for dating specific advice and content and even programs, you can go to the professional wingman.com. If you're looking for more comprehensive life coaching, ways to level up and make life a game that you can win and have fun playing, you can go to thomasedwardsjr.com. Junior as in letters J R. And you can find me on most social media sites at Thomas H. Edwards Jr. Awesome. Thank you so, so much again for joining us. This has been amazing. And there's like plenty more to talk with you about. So we're going to have to have you on again once the whole corona crisis is over, how we can take what we've learned from it and apply it to our relationships and leveling ourselves up even further. Um, and guys, don't forget to tune in next week for an all new episode where we talk more dating and relationshipy stuff surprise with our guest CEO of Journey Coaching and the creator of the Breakup Survival Kit, Noelle Cordeaux. And if you want to join the class of master daters, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show. And it's complicated wherever you get your podcasts to rate and comment on our show. And you can find me at Lauren Lee and Ellie on all the social meds. And you can find me at Jennifer Golden on the social meds as well. We will be back next week. Love you long time. You're listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. 